0: QPN Pod, the Queer Podcasters Network podcast. This episode is the edited highlights of a QPN workshop held by journalist and videographer Andy Wosley on how to be a better interviewer.
1: Hello, I am the person between you and the pub, so I'm going to try to be as quick through this as I can be. But the way that I want to to do this really is to run a few exercises with you, just to try to bring out some of the things that I've learned about interviewing and interview technique over my career. My career is as a freelance journalist. I have been a freelance for 10 years, Uh, although alongside a lot of my freelance work, I was also serving in the Royal Air Force. And I've also spent stints working in uh, PR and communications for some time for Stonewall, where I was head of comms. So I've had a lot of experience of interviewing people and of being interviewed. In the last few years, I've interviewed politicians ranging from Jeremy Corbyn to Boris Johnson stars from René Zellweger to Richard E. Grant, who is a bit of a hero of mine, partly because he just loves the camera, seems to love me as well, which is marvellous. And I've also been interviewed on all of the major news broadcasters and Channel 5. So if an interview is an ordeal, I have both inflicted it and endured it. So hopefully this evening it will be more about you enduring this and hopefully enjoying it. I guess a good place to start is what, what is an interview? Anybody care to kind of give me their view on what an interview is? Yes, Scott. Hello.
0: Hi. Um, I would say it's almost a chat with a motive. Uh, not so much ulterior, but it's, it's two people talking to a point.
1: Okay. Or one or, one or several question. people. Yeah. yeah. Any advances on a chat?
2: Like a guided conversation?
1: That I mean, that's pretty much my definition. I've always described interviews as a directed conversation. They're directed because generally you go into an interview with a purpose. There is some reason that you're conducting the interview. Otherwise, it would just be a conversation. It's because you want to tell a story for your podcast or it's because you're doing a story about a, a particular subject. And in order to tell that story, you, you know that there are particular bits of information or particular stuff of exchange that you want from the person that you're interviewing. So I think directed conversation or structured conversation or a little chat with a purpose, that that to me is exactly what an interview is. Anybody care to suggest what an interview is not? Interrogation? I think Prince Andrew might probably <laughs> have a, have a view on that one. They certainly can be quite difficult. I've been through difficult interviews uh, where I've had to defend myself or my existence against homophobes. They can be interrogative, but normally there again, there's a purpose to it. And even in an interrogation, you're generally going to want to start by putting your subject at his or her ease because otherwise you don't get any answers and you don't get anywhere with it. So, they can be interrogations to be sure. Any, any other suggestions for what it isn't? I don't
2: know if it's not this, but I'd say an interview where the interviewer is mainly doing the talking mm-hmm. is not an interview.
1: I completely like, agree. Me, like,
2: I'm thinking of Piers Morgan. <laughs> 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 I don't find a lot of what he does interviewing. He just sort of says stuff, and then people <laughs> don't really have the chance to reply.
1: It's a rant with kind of yeah. relief for the eyes. Yes, yes, yes. It's odd with Piers Morgan, who used to be a, a great campaigning left-wing journalist, who's seen him turn into a, just a kind of shrieking vulture. But yeah, certainly he's, he's not any kind of interviewer. He's a ranter who intersperses his rants with other people's points of view if he wants to. I guess the thing, the thing that I think an interview is not is just a list of questions and it can be tempting, I think, for people who aren't used to interviewing to to look at that as, as a good way to structure a, an interview, to just start out with a list of basic questions and ask those questions and see where you get. But all of that said, I'm going to start with an exercise and it is going to be all about just having a list of questions. All right, we're going to uh, wrap the interviews up there. How oh, was that for the interviewees? <laughs> no, it was tough, I think. Why tough? Because because of our brief. OK. So I <laughs> I, did, I briefed the interviewees to, not to close down, but only to answer the questions that they were given. Very monosyllabic. Uh, Very monosyllabic. That, I mean, this morning I was interviewing a, an Extinction Rebellion protester and it was a painful, painful, painful interview because he would literally only answer exactly the question that I presented him with. And sadly interviewees like that abound and the more you podcast, the more likely you are to meet people who do naturally clam up that way anyway. What about for the interviewers? How how was it?
0: Pretty
1: bad. Why bad?
0: because we started from a presumption place so we both were like let's talk about coming out experiences mm-hmm. and then it started like okay let, are you even queer and it was like, no. It
1: was like <laughs> okay, okay, no i heard you ask a really really good question which was is there any time in your life when you've been an outsider I had to pivot, yeah. that was a really good creative question the re the reason i i run this exercise is is simply because going into an interview with that clear list and, and thinking to yourself these are the questions that i'm going to ask it would have completely shut your interview down you'd have gone absolutely Absolutely nowhere with it. It's it's simply a truism, I think, that when you're interviewing people, you cannot just have a set list of questions. There has to be something more to it. You have to have some technique to it. They can work in some circumstances. There was a, a really beautiful podcaster who came along to the first queer podcasting event whose podcast was gonna be about queer people and their pets. And her idea was she would end every, I hope I'm not giving away a trade secret here, that she would end every podcast with uh, the same question, standard list of questions. In that kind of format, where, where there's a predictability to it, where it's a listicle, it can work quite well, but it's not really going to get you stories. It's not going to get you very far if you're trying to really learn about people. I think, I think when you have lists of questions, they, they can often consist of quite closed questions. Do, do we all know what a closed question is? That was a closed question. A closed question is a question to which you can give a single word answer, like, where did you grow up? Doncaster. Doncaster. How fabulous are you? very (laughs) very not necessarily such a closed question there is a place for closed questions when when you need to get the exact facts out of people i start every interview by asking my interviewees what's your name what do you do and how do you spell your name generally people don't go flailing off into too many different directions with those but open questions tend to be the the way that you're really going to get people talking and then when you talk about your technique then of kind of following a line, following a, uh, a kind of a journey with that person, really good word, that's where you're going to start to really pull out good stories. So opening uh, open questions. There are some kind of go-to open questions that I use uh, a lot when I'm interviewing people. And they're normally things about asking people to give me an opinion on something or asking somebody how they feel about something. If you've ever been interviewed and the interviewee has said, how do you feel about this, that, and the other, It's it's just such a straightforward way to really get people to to open up and talk to you people by and large like to talk about their feelings so open questions it's always worth just having some of those stock phrases in the bag ready to go so if you aren't if you are dealing with somebody that you're you you know you're having a really difficult interview with you've got that question of tell me how you feel about this maybe not how do you feel about this interview because that would have completely floored me this morning with my uh, entirely non-responsive extinction rebellion chap there is also, something to bear in mind about the the structure of the question that you ask. I'm really sorry to pick on you. One question that you asked, I, I, it was something like, do you know I can't, I can't remember exactly the question that you asked, but it, it was two questions in one. So this is where, where you could ask something like, you know, tell me about, tell me about when you came up, when you came out. Was it hard, and who did you talk to about it first, and how did it go for you? Where do you even begin to answer that question? Generally, when, when you're interviewing people, do really try to concentrate on a single question per question. The more you pile up those questions, the harder it is for the interviewee to kind of find a thread. You've got to help your interviewee to answer the question. And if you've thrown four or five questions at them, you're making their job harder. They have a job in this as well, which is to give you the story and to help you to, to, to get that story out. As podcasters, there, there's, there's also within your interviews a question of technique. What do you tend to do when you're interviewing people for a pre-record interview? Are there any kind of ways that you try to get them to answer or any tips that you would bear in mind?
0: I uh, generally start by pointing out that because it's pre-recorded, they can um and and uh, restart and tell me to mm-hmm. cut things out or not to worry about, about messing it up, essentially, because I, I can edit it all out and make them sound good.
1: Which is good. I mean, very, very reassuring for people. There's also uh, a question of edit time. The worst person that I have interviewed lately was Sadiq Khan, who he's a fantastic interviewee I don't mean to to disparage him at all but he has a politician's way a past master's politician's way of making it hard for you to edit the interview uh, because when he answers a question, he'll make the first point that he wants to make, and then very quickly he's going to drag you into the next point. And then before you have a chance to edit out of that next point, and it's his way of of making your job hard as the person who then has to interview, then has to edit the interview because you don't have a natural edit point. And without a natural edit point, you're more inclined to kind of have the whole statement instead of the pithy soundbite. The the lazy bugger you are is what you really want to put in your very short video package or <laughs> podcast so that's just something to bear in mind if, you, if you're doing a, uh, a pre-record interview do try to certainly don't interrupt or don't talk over your interviewee but do try to just allow those natural pauses because they, they will save you so much effort when it comes to, uh, to editing and not having to worry about fading out and de and, and all of the other joys that you have I'm going to move on to a, another, inter, another interview session after the final point, which is, is active listening. The other thing that the list of questions does is close you off from really investigating the story that your interviewee probably wants to tell you if they've agreed to give the interview. When you are doing your interview, if you can listen out for little stories as they develop – and listen actively, that's where you'll find those nice little avenues that you can dive down, where instead of just going from question one to question two, you can go question one A, question one B, and start to to find the kind of unconsidered stories, the bits that you weren't expecting your interviewee to talk to you about active listening particularly i think with podcasting where it it, it, it's a medium that just so lends itself to people talking at length if you can give people an opportunity to talk at length by asking them questions that help take them on that journey of that story that they're trying to tell instead of effectively saying nope you're in a cul-de-sac we're going to turn around and move around and do question number two now active listening and that's what we're going to do in the next exercise. Interviewees, how how did that feel as, a, as an interview? Really
0: good. Yeah. Why really good? Um, because it was it was personal straight away and latched on to stuff I was saying and then asked more questions about that. So it really kept me
1: talking. Excellent, and he seemed interested in you? Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Did anybody find anything out that was completely left field, completely unexpected? It's something that, that, I mean, this is quite a, a limited format. You only had two minutes for the interview. But these these kind of interviews can really help you to, to kind of pick up on completely unconsidered facts, things, things that suddenly make a story. I, I did a, a story, weirdly, at the Charles Dickens Museum last week. They have 300 new items from Charles Dickens' life that, that have gone on display. And I was interviewing the director, and it was a nice wash. Wonderful, fabulous woman. Really lovely, warm interview. And somehow, and I can't even remember what the question was, out of this interview, it turned out that Dickens had. A secret gin stash at a party he, he told his butler this is where you put the wine this is when you turn the gas lamps on this is when you open the door this is where you keep my secret supply of gin that only I and my publisher are allowed to drink and suddenly that that completely changes a the headline of the story because now the story is about Dickens's right. secret gin stash forgive me I am quite reductive sometimes but I couldn't have predicted that that was what would fall out of the interview and it is from just following the the path as it goes I'm going to move on to how we kind of bring things together. So, lists of questions can be problematic, they can close you off, they can make it hard for you to really get information out of people, but they can be a useful handrail. You use the, the metaphor earlier of taking somebody on a journey, uh, and that's exactly how I see an interview. If you have an opportunity to prepare an interview or to plan an interview, I look at it as a roadmap. And the roadmap, the, the particular points on the map are the questions. So, you can have a list of Five, three or five questions maybe that you can return to if you've got a line of questioning that's gone absolutely nowhere. You know that, fine, that's dead, but I can just swing back to tell me about your Westie from childhood. Or whatever else it is and you can then use that roadmap to help direct you through the interview as well so as well as taking your interviewee on a journey where you're trying to get their story and learn about them and get them to open up as much as possible if you reach a dead end and they've closed down you've still got questions that you can go back to and so that's what I look at as my roadmap in an interview. Can I ask a quick question? Yes. When I reach out to people and formulate who I am, what the agenda is and why I was keen to speak to them a lot of the people i'm speaking to seek structure Mm. so is there a way that i can maybe still give them that comfort it's a really really good question was did you have a question as well what i know what i was going to
0: say is what i do is i i send so i interview guests i get all guests have different whatever they want to bring to their table but i give them a structure of how the show runs so I go. This is at the start. This is what we're going to do. Okay. Middle break and okay. like this is the structure of the show. Yeah. And then I give them a sort of a base level of like, oh, we'll probably talk about the shows you do or mm-hmm. whatever your things are. Blah, blah blah. I won't give them an actual question. Mm-hmm. I'll just say these are the things we'll probably okay. talk about. It's almost like an essay. So yeah. I, yeah. Sort of intro, main body, Yeah. And then I go. And then I get them to come in a half an hour earlier before the show starts. And then like have. A chat to them and talk to them, yeah. and relax
1: them and. No, this is this is exactly what I would say as well. I, w- I would be I would always be very wary of telling an interviewee the exact questions that you're going to ask for a few reasons. One of the reasons is I interview politicians and I don't want politicians to be kind of anticipating what I'm going to ask them. But also because if you, if you're especially if you're interviewing somebody who's quite nervous, it can seem quite aggressive if you give somebody a list of questions because they are then expecting it to be a kind of interrogation-type situation. The other thing uh, I I would suggest even worse than than just having them slightly on guard is you can have an interview who then over prepares their answers yeah. and particularly with with podcasting it's so obvious when somebody doesn't sound comfortable or it doesn't sound like they're speaking naturally and it sounds like they've rehearsed their uh, their answers so exactly that the the other the other reason that I would normally say what we're going to talk about is this is that the moment you say we're going to talk about this you're framing the interview as a conversation and it's not you're you're not saying I'm going to ask you these questions I have all the power you're just going to sit there and give to me as I ask you the questions you're framing it as a two-way exercise so I would sometimes perhaps give the first question that I'm going to ask especially if somebody's right in front of me and they're a bit nervous I might say we're just gonna open by asking why we're here today um so the first question is sometimes a good way to let somebody just have that quick mental preparation. But generally, I, I don't know if you're all the same as me, the first question is normally the first one that you edit out then when you're, when you're packaging up, because it's, it's naturally when people are not quite warmed up to yeah. the situation. So I, I, I think you've got exactly the right answer. Give them a structure, make it about a conversation. This is what we're going to talk about. And I think then you're... You're hopefully putting somebody at their ease before they're even in the studio with you. I also
0: get them to listen. I uh, actually say listen to one of the episodes so you know yeah. what you're getting into. Because if they don't know what you're getting into, why are they, why are they doing it?
1: But, I mean, your kind of roadmap, when, when you have a structure like that, you have a natural roadmap. You know that in section one, maybe we're going to talk about your childhood. Then we're going to talk about what you do for a living. And then we're going to talk about your aspirations. There you have a roadmap straight away. It doesn't always need kind of fixed questions. Sometimes it is enough to to think that in this rough structure, I'm going to my Dickens Museum interview, I'm going to talk about, you know, what are these 300 new items? Tell me the most impressive item that you found. What's the one that made you smile the most? Well dickens's secret gin stash what's your favorite dickens novel those are just questions then that i know i can come back to but it could just be something something as basic as we're going to start with this broad area then we're going to move here and then we're going to go there and that is enough then to give you a handrail so if you get completely stuck and your interviewing is, is, is kind of going completely dead you've still got that backstop you've still got somewhere you can go to to pull out a question a spare question how do you feel about this that you can then bring the interview back on track with. Does that make sense? So that's what I term my roadmap. What are the particular challenges you face when you're doing live interviews?
2: I have had one show where I didn't script enough questions. So I do something since then, which I call, I've been trying to get this to catch on it hasn't, but accordion questions. So ones that fold out and you can fold in. But I do the same thing as you where we meet I, tried, I used to do an hour before the show, now I just don't have time for that, so half an hour before the show, we broadcast at 9pm, and um, I was, like, if you're interviewing a politician, it's very different, like I've done hard news journalism, and you just, you can't afford to show anyone questions or be easy with things, but on my podcast, I've interviewed young carers, I've interviewed people with PTSD, I've interviewed, like, Yazidis, like, who've, like, escaped, sort of, a, war, I guess is the best way to phrase that. So I I have no qualms and because it's my own podcast, no one is I'm not accountable to anyone really, apart from the other people I make it with, I do show the questions beforehand. I say, Do you want to edit any of these? Do you prefer for it to be pre recorded, especially in the case of, say, someone with PTSD mm-hmm. or something? And she did end up crying like while we were recording in the studio, so um I'm really happy that she could, you know, take that time. And I think it's a case of if someone's vulnerable then you just give them extra time but, I, but yeah on air I always start with celebrations and frustrations so that, I guess that's your first question but I, I actually think that it's the one that gets people listening the most mm. when I look at the stats people never like they never stop listening during the celebrations and frustrations because it's the most light-hearted and enjoyable we always try to make each other laugh
1: it is a particular challenge with live interviewing in that you don't, you can't just throw away the first question. Uh, you, you you have what's given to you. I'm really intrigued by the accordion technique. This is, um, do, do you mind ex- explaining it? Because oh, I think
2: so, so
1: we good. can. I I hope we learn so, from each other.
2: I mean, this is what you said earlier, but um, like you do active listening, but because we've already met the person, had extensive conversations before they go on air, because it's quite traumatic for someone to go on air if they're not used to doing it. Um, then I already know what my follow-up questions would be for... We've got half an hour on air, so I I can't listen. I can't do active listening on air. (laughs) If we have time at the end, I can have two questions with three questions below them. That we can
1: make and talk for a bit longer. Mm. I mean, every, every podcast is going to be different anyway. And, and some podcasts is, you know, it, it is just going to be a freewheeling, wherever it goes type conversation. Some will be more structured. There is no, I, I don't stand here saying this is how you conduct interviews because there is, as we've already learned, there are so many different ways of doing interviews that you will want to tailor to your guest. You'll want to take it, tailor to the format that you're recording in. But yeah, I, I think it's really, really good to, to, to kind of learn how other people do work as well. The accordion technique, I like it. I can spread
2: it to the people I make the show with and they're like, no, we're not doing that. That's a ridiculous task.
1: I liked your point as well about that kind of relaxing initial question. It's almost passe for for video journalists that when you are, particularly for camera operators who who don't... On YouTube as well. (laughs) for, For camera operators, you don't always ask the questions as well. Sometimes you'll have a reporter with you. The one question that a lot of camera operators ask... A lot of the time is what did you have for breakfast, and it's a technique thing. It's just your t- your chance to get levels sorted. Which if you're if you're recording a podcast in the field, that's as relevant for you as it is for, for somebody recording on a camera. And again, it's it's still an effective way to to break the ice and get somebody talking. Although you learn alarming things about things people <laughs> put into their bodies before. Uh, I, I interviewed one politician who said that he'd had for breakfast a double whiskey, and I'm <laughs> I'm not a I'm not going to say who it was, but I'm gonna say I really did believe him as well. <laughs> it was not Boris Johnson. So the other thing, and you you talked about the structure, having an outro. Having a closing question is such an effective way to round out an interview. And to send your interviewee you, you want your interviewee to go into the interview warm and feeling ready for that conversation, but you want them to go out feeling happy with the experience they've had as well, unless you're Prince Andrew, and then it's not so important. Um, but having a good outro and thinking about a closing question, I think is just as important about as thinking about your first question. Sometimes, oftentimes, I find that it is the closing question that when I'm doing an edited package is then the first one that goes in to the video because it's when somebody is so warm to what they're talking about and so open and so enthusiastic because you've taken them on this journey and you've probed the depths of their soul that suddenly they're warm and they want to tell you the, the thing that means most to them and there are some good stock questions just as just as you want those good stock questions about tell me about this and how did you feel about this there are some good stock outros things like you know in one sentence summarize what you've learned about this experience or tell me the three best things that that you would say about this experience do you have any stock outros that you go to
0: uh, the question I usually end with when I'm doing that kind of thing is once they've told me their story and their and kind of thing <laughs> I usually end with either if you could go back and talk to the younger version of you who was mm-hmm. in that situation that we just talked about, what would you say to them with your perspective now? Or what's the one thing you learned from that? Mm-hmm. If you had to choose one lesson that anyone in that situation couldn't take away from that, what would it be?
1: Tell me what you've learned is, is a really, really good closer. And I think a lot of a lot of interviewees uh, interviewers go to that question because, I mean, that, it's such a gold question isn't it it forces people to really think and really talk at length about to assess their experiences and to bring them all together another common one um, particularly if i've if i've had an interview that hasn't gone so well a common one to come back to is is there anything you wish that you'd had a chance to talk to me about because then straight away hopefully people are going to be talking talking to you about something that really matters to them that you've just not managed to quite get around to and again you can get some really really good gold moments from that the way that I would wrap up everything that, that hopefully I've I've got through today is if you've met somebody you've not seen for a while, a really good friend who's just been overseas for a long time, everything that we're doing here is kind of the conversation you're going to have with a friend. You're going to want to find out where they went, what they ate, was it good, or all of that kind of stuff. Some of the best conversations you have kind of models for good interviews because you've got a purpose. You want to you want to get your you want to get your friend talking. You want to really, really understand the experience that they've had. That's all that this is. It's just about finding a natural handrail, a natural roadmap uh, that you can use to to kind of get what you want out of the interview, which is that story, the information that you're looking for, but at the same time hopefully to have an interviewee who feels relaxed and feels that they've had just as good a time as, as you have. Unless you're Prince Andrew. I mean, books will be written about interview technique and, and Prince Andrew, but not books about how to do effective PR. I just want to, to kind of recap some some of the things that, that we've gone through. Uh, lists of questions, it's not a complete no-no because they do absolutely have their place. If you can use them as a handrail or a roadmap that you can come back to, then they can get you out of some really, really difficult and closed interviews. But just try to be careful of, of looking at an interview as just a list of con- a list of questions because it's so much more than that. It's a story-finding exercise. It's a journey that you're taking your interviewee on. So it's a directed conversation. You've got purpose at the end of it but if you can make sure that your interviewee is enjoying it as you take them down that road take them on that journey then you're going to get hopefully some gold material for your podcasts hopefully you learnt something um, are there any final questions before we and
2: then video radio
1: difference between video and radio i i vastly prefer radio and not just because i'm blessed with good looks for it i do i think have an okay voice for radio which helps because I like telling stories in that format and I, I find it easier to tell stories with radio. With video, you're kind of bound by the picture. You can't let your listeners' imaginations take them wherever they they need to go. You can't ask your subject to paint a picture with their words. And those, those I think, is, uh, those kind of situations where you get somebody to really, really evoke a mental picture, are so much more powerful than just having a talking head on a screen so i think the key difference for me is radio is i find radio a bit easier to to kind of get really beautiful stories out with video generally it is just it is just an exercise in in getting some questions answered so again does that answer the question yeah Stick to radio, I guess is the that's where I want to go. I love video and I love what you can do with video to tell a story, but but to really tell an emotional story I think radio is, is still absolutely the top format. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all for putting up with me. That wasn't too shit, was it?
0: You have been listening to the Queer Podcasters Network Podcast. To find out more, visit queerpod.net.